Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. episode 19 of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. And I'm here as always with my friends Matt and Linda. And we are super excited for this episode as we continue to build on what we talked about last episode, episode 18, uh, which if you haven't listened to it yet, we'd we'd recommend you go back and listen to it. Episode 18 was titled Teaching the Bible Genesis 1. And today we're going we're gonna to dive deeper into this topic, not only about uh, teaching the Bible, but different strategies, even styles that we can use uh, when we teach the Bible to students. And that's why uh, we're going to we're gonna uh, dive deeper into this topic today. So Linda, why don't you start us off here? We got some feedback from a listener who asked a question uh, for something for us to describe. So Linda, why don't you read that feedback before we start? Sure. So a listener said, I would love to hear some point counterpoint discussion on the most helpful styles of teaching in student ministry. Should we have more preaching based lecture style, small group discussion style, etc. Do we need bits of all of them or should one be primary. So why don't you start us off Matt. Yeah, so I'll start by um, making a little distinction between what I think a um, like a, a preaching or homily, kind of a homiletics type idea is. So I, I think that um, a homily for junior high and senior high students, a junior high student that's going to be somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes long, senior high, somewhere between 14 and 18. Generally, this is how I've always done it. And you're, um, you're in the front and you have digested the text yourself and you have kind of three, you have one big idea. This is what I really want them to get from the text and three main components. Um, talk about what the text says, that's exegesis, and then illustrate it. This is, this is what it looks like. And then apply it to the kids' lives. This is how you can change and grow based on these things. I think it needs to be short and really aimed at the heart. Um, I think that's what, a, what preaching um, is really used for. And that can be distinguished from some other styles that, that uh, Kyle and Linda are going to talk about. One is teaching or a lecture style. Lecture sounds a little scary, um, but it's, uh, but, you know, just kind of upfront teaching or also small group teaching. So maybe sitting down in a more kind of like um, discussion-based teaching. Yeah, Matt, that's super helpful. As we think about just teaching the Bible to our students, uh, we even want to remind our listeners that this is a podcast by youth workers for youth workers. So the three of us are, are constantly teaching students uh, the Bible. And as we think about these three categories that Matt just laid out for us, preaching, um, which would be someone just standing up and, and we're saying straight teaching the Bible to students, um, teaching, which would have more of a component of someone standing there, but maybe being more interactive, not just uh, one person talking, but explaining, maybe asking any other youth leaders in the room if they have any feedback on what's being taught or even asking students. And then small group components. So our three categories, preaching, teaching, and small groups. Let's just start out by saying, which one of these, if we had to pick one, which one of these would we, uh, would we choose? Preaching, teaching, or small groups? Matt, let's start with you. Well, I 
to be honest, I love, I love teaching. I think a lot of people in our positions really love teaching. I love having a whiteboard behind me. I literally have a whiteboard behind me right now as I'm recording this podcast. Um, but I, I, I think working on your, your homilies, your kind of shorter, um, aimed at the heart of students is a good thing to work on in youth ministry. I tend to do those in events that I know that there are going to be people there who don't know Jesus. So this is where we do kind of our large group. We do those on Sunday nights. And if I can give like a, you might not believe this, but let me tell you why you want to believe this kind of exposition of the Bible that's aimed at the heart of students. That I think is really helpful. It does. It's kind of an invitation to see the world in a different way but it's not um, only aimed at the head. It's, it's like this, it's a visceral invitation, which is what I think one of the, the beauties of preaching is. And then it also, um, it, it doesn't expose a student who's an outsider by asking a bunch of questions that they don't know the answer to as well. And so, so if I'm doing an outreach event or event that I know students are there, I like the preaching mechanism for that. And we're not good at it at first. We can talk about that later. But and well, um, Matt, Matt, let's let's yeah. maybe disarm for the listeners a little bit because we realize the term preaching might seem a little a little large, or they say, okay, when I show up at church, I hear a pastor preach. But for the youth, for the youth worker who's listening to this episode, uh, what we mean by preaching is not necessarily that you're preaching to a whole church of multi-generations, but you're teaching the Bible to students in a way where you're the one talking. We're standing behind the Bible, speaking God's word to our listeners, and it's usually just us talking for the whole time. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, and, that's exactly what I'm saying. And what would your uh, aim in terms of time length? So we know we could have a long discussion about educational strategies here, but if you're speaking to a group of students, middle school or high school, what time length are you looking at for this homily or quote unquote sermon? This is the hardest thing, uh, I think, not that long. You know, with junior high, like I, I just don't think that they can last longer than 15 minutes. Um, and then senior high, no, not too much longer than 18 minutes. The trap we fall into with, with, hom- with a homily is that we want to describe the whole passage. And that's not what a homily is meant to do. Um, teaching is meant to explain a lot of the passage. A homily is meant to explain one thing, and it's meant to bring your world into collision with the world that, God act- that you actually live in, which is God's world. Um, and that's just different than teaching the whole passage. And there's a lot of value in teaching the, you know, everything that you see in the passage. Most young preachers fall into the trap of, okay, I I need to explain every single thing that I see in this. And the answer is no, you probably can only explain about five to 10% of it, but just make it really good and see if you can make sure to get the main point across um, for a, for a student. And then, and man, close it down. Sorry. I, I had a, so Sinclair Ferguson was one of our professors and he said, and this is where I get to do my Scottish accent. He said, many of you can only preach for 10 minutes because any sermon must only feel like it's about 20 minutes long. <laughs> that, I think that's such a helpful point, especially uh, for, well, not especially for me, for everyone, because so often we want to talk longer. And I, Matt, I think what you said was especially helpful for younger youth workers who want to always make sure that we're not leaving meat on the bone, right? We want to make sure we're covering everything in the text. But Often we do that at the expense, especially for middle school and high school students, at the attention span that they can take. And so we end up just talking, and a lot of times we're talking to ourselves because we've already lost everyone in the room. So Matt, that's helpful. So 
preaching monologue style, um, teaching, and then small group style, you'd say you'd go preaching homily um, option A. Linda, which of these three would you pick? If you only had to pick one, which would you pick? Uh, you know, I would say that the one that I tend to default to, but it's not the one that, that I would choose. I find myself when I'm writing a lesson, I tend to default to more the preaching monologue style. I think just because that's what I did the most when I was first in ministry. And it would be like 15 to 25 minutes. Sometimes there'd be a little bit of like, I could ask a question or two of the students, but I wasn't expecting uh, substantive answers. It'd, it'd be like something that there was a an obvious quick answer to. Um, and I've found that uh, the more I've ended up in settings where I get to do that teaching style, where there's some of that upfront teaching, and then a lot of the students really interacting around the lesson themselves, maybe I'm dividing them into small groups for a few minutes and then bringing them back to me, or maybe they're, I'm just asking a question of the whole audience and they're interacting with me as I'm teaching from the stage. I, I have found that to be um, really, really good and really helpful. You're getting feedback like right in the middle of the lesson to see how it's even going. And um, I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. But I have to, when I teach a lesson, sometimes go back and go, okay, where are the points where I'm going to have this interaction? Because that's not always my default. And Linda, so if if that would be maybe B, Matt said A, more sermon homily style, and this is more B, more teaching that's more interactive. What is the length of time that you would aim for? So if Matt Matt said about for a middle school or 15, high school, or maybe a little longer for that, which which I love because I again I feel like so many people want to do so much more than that, but we know that's a good length. What would you say for this teaching? Um, where it's dialogue, you're talking to them and they're talking back at times. What would a time that you would look at look like for that time frame? I think that we've done probably 45 to 50 minutes, but I would add with like the strong caveat that like, I'm never going more than like maybe eight or so minutes without there being some substantive interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, I mean, there are times when I would break students up into small groups and they might be discussing a question for six minutes. And then I have each um, small group share some answers that they got with the whole um, group of us. And so that, you know, that whole question uh, time could have taken up 10 to 15 minutes of my lesson. You've thrown a few of those and it's very easy to end up um, 45 minutes or even more if you weren't paying attention. Yeah, and that's where even uh, this the, this podcast is called the Word and Youth Ministry. But we realize that so many different things affect how we can teach the Word and Youth Ministry, and that's where even room setup is so important. For instance, if if you have a facility where maybe you can put round tables and you can have the kids where you're teaching for seven to eight minutes and then having them discuss around tables with a youth leader and then bringing it back, like all of these things uh, are what maybe especially when we enter youth ministry. I think a lot, like I've recently had lunch with two, um, two Bible college students who maybe are listening to this episode. And so I'll be kind, but as they, uh, who are going into youth ministry and their zeal was so high, right. And we can be so encouraged by that, but sometimes we can say, you know what, when we go into youth ministry, we're like, we'll just teach the Bible and let God do the rest, which is true. But there's so many components and so many things that God put into us, such as learning styles, our kids auditory learners, our kids better learning through discussion, that as youth workers, we need to consider all of these different things. Um, and so I think if I were to answer A, B, or C, which would I want? I would 
um, I enjoy a maybe the most, but I am like Linda. Uh, I like a dialogue when I'm teaching. I like to aim uh, if I'm teaching on a Sunday morning, maybe it's about 40 minutes, but I'm trying to go seven to nine minutes and then asking a question where they're discussing with the person or people around them, then I'm bringing it back. Um, one thing I would just add to what Linda said, uh, it is slightly difficult, but I'll put, I'll have more questions planned than I usually use because I don't always know the way the discussion's gonna go. For instance, if I ask a question and I, I'm taking answers from kids, I'm now having to guide it where when, I'm, when we're preaching a sermon or a homily like Matt's saying, we have more control over what is being said. Now I want to, oh yeah, Matt, how would you add to that? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I didn't like the fact that you made me choose between those three because we use all three components in different ways, you know? Um, so shame on you. No, um, no, I, I think also just the group dynamic and group size, group dynamics, the size of the room. I know these are things that, like you said, Kyle, you know, like if you're just coming out of seminary, you're just so excited about youth ministry. You're just like, I'm just going to preach the word and let, let the word do the work. And that's, that is like so beautiful and great. And the spirit is ultimately um, who affixes himself to the word so that we're changed. But it is helpful to think through, like if I've got a humongous room and 12 people in it, like don't stand up and do a teaching lecture. Like you have to sit down with your students at that point. If, you know, and really like, I just don't think standing up, I think standing up is really hard if you have fewer, you know, than eight students at all, no matter how big the room is. Um, just because that just feels like, whoa, why, why the distance here? We're just kind of like a small intimate group anyways. But I, you know, those are those numbers can kind of flex a little bit. Six to eight students is kind of like your small group. You're good well, let, let, let's talk about that for a little bit. So we realized that those listening to this podcast um, are coming from a variety of different, not only sizes of youth ministry, but we realized that different denominational or church backgrounds do shape how we do this. So we have, uh, I'm sure if there's youth workers listening who maybe have five, let's just say zero to 10 students or zero to 15 students, that's going to feel different teaching to those students than it does if you have 15 to 30 students, right? The room is going to feel differently. And Matt, I think what you said is, is especially helpful uh, for those who maybe um, are like, if someone's been in one setting and then uh, gets goes to a new church in a different setting, I think we have to give ourselves permission to try different things to what fits in the, in the context where we're at. For instance, maybe um, for uh, what, like Linda said on one of our first episodes, Linda, weren't you at a church one time where it was common for students to carry around ESV study Bibles? Like it was oh, yeah. just like a, yeah, a higher intellectual church, like in mm -hmm. a setting like that, it might be more um, accepted to maybe the kids are used to a lecture and used to more intellectually stimulating uh, sermon or homilies. And not that like you go to another church and like, man, I got to dumb this down for them because that's not the truth there's a difference between shallow and clear. And so maybe when we go to a different church, um, we have to change our teaching style because we want to make sure that our teaching of God's word hits the target of the people that we're teaching to. Um, I want to go um, slightly deeper. This is the word of the, of the day, deeper, um, to something Matt said, and I'm going to ask Linda the question first. Um, Matt, when you explain preaching, um, I think this might have came... Um, from the book, Biblical Preaching, uh, but I'm not sure exactly who said it. Many people might've said this, um, but you use the, the paraphrase, explain, illustrate, apply. So we explain the text when we're preaching or teaching, then we illustrate it, and then we apply the text to um, the listeners. 
Linda, as we think about explain, illustrate, apply, is there a specific uh, example you can use of something you've taught um, that maybe fine tunes one of those, explaining the text, illustrating the text, and applying the text to students, or maybe some um, recommendations or helpful tips you could give to someone? Gosh, okay, so there's so many ways I could go with this. Um, I'm gonna draw something from a lesson I'm supposed to teach the Sunday after this recording, uh, where we are starting a series on Proverbs. So I'm going over Proverbs chapter one. And in Proverbs chapter one, it first kind of introduces the Proverbs, um, but then it gets into this section where it's kind of warning you against uh, falling in with those who are greedy for unjust gain, people who might use violence to get what they want. And one of the phrases it uses is, uh, you know, it says, if they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. And it, it you know, it, it's warning you against that. And one of my thoughts was, you know, as, as students are reading that, they might go, I don't, I really know that I relate to that. Like no one has really been like, hey, let's wait for blood. Um, and we're gonna like kill these people or whatever, you know? And so it's one of those passages where I'm gonna have to take some time to say, okay, um, what, is, what is kind of the thrust of this though? Um, and it's talking about uh, looking to use others to get what we want, right? And so once I go through explaining that, um, I think I'm just going to find a lot of ways um, to give them some applications that they might relate to, um, whether that's talking about, hey, you know, that kind of violence actually starts in our hearts with envy and resentment. Um, we, we have hearts that are waiting for blood um, in the way this passage is talking about, um, or talking about small things like the way that we might put others down so that we feel better about ourselves, or gossiping about a person's um, like gossiping a person's reputation to death, um, doing something that we know is wrong in order to be accepted by the crowd, um, manipulating people to get what we want, all these different things. Um, I'll probably mention a, a number of them, and then we'll probably have a discussion around, hey, what are some ways that we might use others, manipulate others to get what we want? How specifically are you tempted to do that? And what I'm anticipating I'll do with that, um, just to give another example of like my teaching format stuff is I'll probably pass out note cards to them and have them write their own answers to that question um, before we have a discussion with uh, about that together. So that's one way that I often do that so that the students are forced to think about it themselves and not just rely on the answers of the people around them. Um, if there are some people that are better answering than others and they're like, oh, I never had to think about this because the that person next to me just answered it uh so yeah so that's one way i'm going to try to do that this sunday thanks for sharing that linda because if we think about explain illustrate and apply what is helpful in that teaching strategy that you just talked about is as you as the youth worker are explaining the text but then you are having them illustrate and apply it along with you so it's not like we're only spoon feeding them the bible and this is what you need to get but we're helping them kind of as we talked about in a previous episode take the spoon and feed themselves and lift the spoon up to their mouth um, we're giving them some ownership in the learnings in the learning process not only giving them uh the food that we want them to eat um, 
And as you just said that, it's so fun that you're teaching Proverbs, because I feel like Proverbs is a book of the Bible that a lot of people read. I remember even when I was younger, being challenged uh, to read a proverb a day, because there's, um, there's enough for like one a day, if, and you can get through them in a month. But that's, I feel like a book of the Bible that might not usually be taught, uh, taught to students. So we're going to take a quick break here on this episode 19 of the Word and Youth Ministry podcast. As we do, I want to remind you that if you have any questions or feedback for us, or maybe ideas for future episodes, that you can email us at thewordinym at cpyu.org. That's thewordinym at cpyu.org. We'll be right back. Hey, youth workers, this is Walt Mueller from CPYU. I want to encourage you to expand your ministry to parents by working to encourage, educate, and equip them to effectively nurture their kids in the faith in the midst of our rapidly changing youth culture. One of our most popular free resources, our Youth Culture Today daily one-minute podcast, is designed to help you do just that. You can find an archive of hundreds of episodes on our website at cpyu.org, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Expand your ministry to parents by pointing them to our Youth Culture Today podcast. And we're back on the Word and Youth Ministry podcast as we're considering different teaching strategies and styles that we can use uh, with our youth ministries and how we can teach the Word of God to students. And I think as we think about this, these different settings that we're in and what would be best, as we talked about before the break, A, more um, monologue, one person talking, B, teaching where it's more dialogue, or C, small group settings, I do want to remind the listeners that we have an episode, a previous episode, that would be episode 12, where we talk all about small groups. So this has turned more into A, monologue style teaching, or B, more dialogue. Linda, can you uh, help us think through maybe when you pick which one of these styles is more helpful or most helpful in your youth ministry context down in Orlando? Yeah, so I think the setting is going to make a huge difference in which one I teach, right? Um, You might think, first of all, about the size of the group you have. Um, If you have over 80 kids, I'm guessing that anything that's very interactive is going to be a lot more difficult, Um, unless you have a lot of people who can help facilitate maybe short small group discussions that are interspersed throughout the lesson. Um, That that just is going to be very, very difficult. In a setting like that, I would be much more likely to choose to do just a upfront monologue. Um, And then maybe if you want a discussion around it, then once that lesson is done, then you break them into small groups again, if you have enough leaders. Um, But, you know, in other settings where if I have a long time um, slotted for me to be able to teach, uh, then that's going to have a lot of um, influence on, on what I choose. I'm not going to choose to do monologue for 45 minutes. Um, I'm going to do a much more interactive lesson. And, you know, we have a, a program that's designed specifically for small groups, just because we want that to be a program where students can feel free to invite a friend and we will do a couple fun things before the lesson and whatnot. But we, um, I, I want that to be a place where we have enough leaders for there to be small groups, um, because without enough leaders, uh, even visitors could come 
and go and, and not connect um, with an adult. And I just want everyone there to, to feel connected. Um, so yeah, I think it comes down to some pros and cons, you know, the, the monologue format um, is something that you can craft it just as you want. It's very effective for communicating one or two points very clearly. It's good for large audiences. Um, but if you're looking for feedback and interaction for students to push back or ask questions, it's not going to be as good for that. Um, if you're not good at paring it down to be short enough, then students might be um, more likely to disengage. And it does take a lot of prep work um, to really kind of master the art of that. Um, when I think about small group or discussion-based teaching, it's going to get the students thinking and engaging more. I am going to get the feedback and it can really help the students to apply, um, to discover things on their own about the text and whatnot. But it's a very different kind of prep work, um, depending on what you enjoy most um, in prepping. And it's not as easy to do with larger groups. Um, you have to be prepared to adapt and change. And sometimes it's just harder to anticipate what questions are they actually going to interact with and what questions am I just going to be hearing crickets. So very different things that you kind of have to think through and be prepared for for each of them. And Linda, before we go to Matt and ask him a similar question, uh, one thing you mentioned is that we can specifically craft our messages when it's more monologue or sermon based. Uh, for someone who's listening, who feels like that might be beyond them, right? They're more someone who likes to have a dialogue like um, because it, it takes effort and it takes um, intentionality to maybe form a message. Um, how long did it take you uh, when you be became a youth worker um, to now, how long did it take you to get comfortable at that type of teaching strategy? Was With it the monologue? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I probably don't have the best answer to this. Uh, when I, um, when I was in college, I had to take a public speaking course and I went to that course thinking I am not going to be a good public speaker. I'm fantastic at writing papers, but this is not my thing. And then I found out very quickly that public speaking comes very naturally to me. And the very first time I ever taught as a summer intern in ministry, my the immediate feedback I got was like you're a natural at this <laughs> well I actually I think that's a helpful answer for our mm -hmm. listeners because there's a lot of people who assume they are wired or have specific gifts and talents mm -hmm. and it's not until we explore them that we realize maybe exactly how God has gifted us though so, although you yep. said you might not be the prototype for this type of thing I think that's super helpful um, Matt, help us uh, help us learn how you um, there in the great state of Texas, contextually mm -hmm. in your youth ministry, how you plan on when and in which setup to use. Um, yeah, so I I think Linda hit the nail on the head in so many ways in that last in what in that last monologue um, that she just gave us. Now. I I think I would love to just jump on a good example of how long it takes me. Real quick, can I answer that one? Of course. Um, so if you said, hey, Matt, can you teach on, I don't know, the prodigal son? And it was like a teaching thing. I could like, this, probably because I've done it a lot, like I could open it up and just start teaching on it without almost any prep. And you just start walking through the passage, you talk about some stuff, you show some things, hey, this is what it is. And most passages, if, I, if you don't know it, I think a teaching time prep could be it's shorter, like it's just shorter. If you said, hey, Matt, could you preach? 12 minutes, you know, on the prodigal son, that could take me five to 10 hours of prep. Um, and, uh, and, and that is, 
like, so why do we even do that at all? <laughs> Maybe it would be the question, you know, I, I think it is something that I, I don't know. I think that God often uses that, like, not to say that it's wrong to do teaching at all. I, I think teaching is great and we should totally do that. There's something beautiful that happens when the word of God is preached. Um, and so every youth work, every person, it's just harder to, to, to do the homily. And so I want to just encourage all the youth workers out there to just because it's harder doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. And like to kind of like slowly but surely climb the mountain of that, um, of that um, and just and kind of keep working at it. Um, what we do, yeah, our teaching time. So we do those homilies in our kind of large group time when I think that there's going to be a large group, bigger, lots of people, like Linda said, like if you got a lot of people in the group, it's hard to be interactive with everybody. You know, it's hard to catch everybody. Um, and then we do the one-two punch of that, that homily time and then a small group time afterwards. So that's the time where they can kind of digest that homily and talk about it together. In our Sunday school, we've got about an hour and 15 minutes of Sunday school. So <laughs> that's really it's a long time. We try to do different kinds of programming. And then the last 45 minutes, that can be kind of lecture style and like, hey, let's talk about this thing and, you know, allow for questions and have some feedback. That's kind of how we do it. Um, I really think like, yeah, that teaching time can be incredibly valuable um, on, on Sunday school as well. So, Yeah, and Matt, and to the youth worker who's listening, who says, uh, maybe I, like me, I didn't go to Bible college. Maybe they're, they're becoming a youth worker and they, they don't have much training or um, yeah, just development of their skills in teaching the Bible. And they hear, oh, prep five to 10 hours for a 12 minute homily. How would you encourage that, that person on a few steps just to get started? <laughs> That's a, yeah. Um, I think, I don't remember who said this. If I had more time. Are you, you going to use a Scottish a, accent again? Yeah. I, oh yeah, I could, if you would like. Yeah. If I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. Um, I think it's a, I think that's, that's <laughs> helpful here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to answer that question that well. Um, other than your, I think we've talked about the components of a of this before. You're just looking for one main idea. Um, your sermon is about one thing. You illustrate it decently well. And then you apply it to the heart. I, I, and it's, it's always, they're always bad at first. <laughs> is well, that encouraging? I, they're always I, not that good at first. And I, you I, think, learn. I think it is, it is encouraging to hear that oftentimes if you listen to your preaching and you think it's bad, that's okay. Because God, God is at work. If you're teaching the Bible, right? That's the whole gist of this podcast, the word in youth ministry. It's not about preaching ourselves. We're preaching the word. And I just know a couple of weeks ago, I, I wasn't planning on saying this right now, but a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from a student who was in my youth group at my previous church, who, when he was in the youth ministry, I can remember him. I can remember uh, him being a part of the youth group, but now years later, he's now in his twenties, he's married. And he, he told me a specific message that I taught and how he wasn't really a believer in God at the time, but how God used that message to transform his life. And now he's in his 20s, he's married, he's growing, he's, he used the term sanctification, that God is sanctifying him. And I was just really encouraged to think, wow, I had no idea what God was doing in him then. And now fast forward years later, God has used one specific message I used in Ephesians chapter three to grow this kid. And so Matt, when you say that, that, you know, it's okay to be bad, it's okay to like, our goal is to be accurate. Our goal is to teach the Bible accurately and let God use his word however however he chooses to use it. I'm not sure exactly who said this. I'm sure a lot of people take credit for it. But we know that in the New Testament, Paul says that we 
plant the seed and we water the seed, but it's God who gives the growth. And some theologians or many theologians have said, when we plant the seed, we don't know what's happening under the soil, right? When we plant the seed, we can plant and we can water. But like for this student, his name is Justin. Uh, I didn't know that six years ago when I taught him the Bible, that God was doing something under the soil at the time. And I think as youth workers, he can be so discouraging week in and week out when we don't always see what's happening, but we must remember that's why we're preaching the word because we're not preaching our own words. We're preaching God's words. Matt, yeah. that brought something up. Yeah, it did. And, they, and and God's word does something. doesn't return to him void, right? That's, I think we started with that verse at the very beginning. I, and just a, another just quick word of encouragement, maybe a, like an ap- apology for an apologetic for, for the homily. Sorry, that didn't mean to turn into this, but, um, you know, we, we assume that the way that you grow is if you show up and you learn some really important things, right? This is kind of the enlightenment understanding of growth. So growth means that I am putting more information into my brain. Uh, of course, we need to have more information in our brains. Like that's a good thing. But um, one of the things that any passionate teaching or preaching, and I'm going to put teaching and preaching, passionate teaching and preaching, A and B, like does is it does so much more than just put information in your brain. That is a kid like might come next week and say like, I don't, I don't know anything that you said in that last sermon last week, but it doesn't mean that they weren't changed by it, you know, because things are going on underneath the surface and they're, you're, you're almost recalibrating the way that they're looking at the world, not necessarily just giving them data. Yeah. And I think I heard a preacher say one time that he, when he walked into church, he didn't remember anything that the, that the pastor said, but he could tell the pastor believed what he was talking about. And I think that what you, what you're saying, Matt, is just pointing to the fact that as youth workers, you know, kids can graduate and be like, I don't remember anything pastor Matt ever taught me, but I know that pastor Matt loved God. And I wanted to love the God that pastor Matt loved. And I think it's just an encouragement to us that our goal is not to, uh, to build up Bible quizzing champs, you know, although like sometimes like, like we get so stuck in this intellectual knowledge and, and yes, we want our kids to know about God, but ultimately we want our kids to know God more. Linda, can you add a little bit more as we think about context and audience and just how different influences have shaped you along that way? Yeah, this actually connects a little bit with what Matt was just talking about. Um, my, my context here, a lot of our students go to Christian schools, um, and that really influences how we have to um, think through kind of format and emphasis in our teaching, um, because they're used to having a Bible class and it feeling like just that data transfer, like Matt was talking about, right? And if I were to teach in a way that I'm just kind of talking at them, and I'm not uh you know, helping them see how it actually applies to their life, um, which often happens a little bit better in discussions than me just monologuing, um, then they will likely feel um, kind of like it's a repeat of Bible class a lot of the time, um, especially because we happen to share the campus with the school that most of them go to. We're in a different room, yes, but it could feel very much to them like they're just back at school um, if we're not careful in the, the way that we teach, if we don't um, really kind of get to application and get to their heart and see what it actually has to do with their lives, instead of just saying, hey, this is just a bunch of information from the Bible that you need to know. And if you would just get this information down, then that makes you a good Christian. Um, 
So that is one of the reasons that we try to be um, pretty interactive in our lessons here is because if we didn't do that most of the time, um, I think it would just feel a lot more like lectures from class to them. Yeah, that's another just reminder, similar as we talked about format of the room and room setup, how that can shape. Knowing our audience is so important because as we uh, as we teach the Bible, like we said earlier, we want to make sure we're hitting the target and we want to make sure that we're not just um, talking to ourselves or talking to the leaders in the room. I think one other thing I would add to this discussion, just to encourage the youth workers out here who might say, um, especially for those in smaller churches who might say, I only have a few students, and maybe you don't even have any youth leaders, uh, that especially if you're doing um, a monologue, or even if you're teaching, just getting some adults in the room who, are, who can be youth leaders, who can sit among the students, can help raise the temperature of learning, right? To have, if you have, uh, let's say you have 15 students, you can get three or four adult youth leaders to sit among them. And so when you say, open your Bible to Matthew chapter one, these adults are also opening their Bible to Matthew chapter one. This can just help set the trajectory or help set the quote unquote normal of what someone does when they listen. Um, I've also found it super helpful with middle school students that if we, if, especially if you have a large group of middle school students, to have leaders sit among the kids can help just um, when you're teaching, uh, you have ears and eyes for different angles helping guide the conversation along. So this has been a fun episode as we talked about different learning and teaching strategies and formats uh, in our youth ministry uh, settings. Uh, I just want to remind you that if you would like, share, and subscribe, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we would love for you to do that as we continue thinking about these important topics on the Word and Youth Ministry podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Word and Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.